Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Thank you so much for tuning back into another segment here on GEMS Podcast. You already know me, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, the host and founder. And with me today in the hot seat is Terry Wellbrock. And here's a bit about Terry. Terry Wellbrock is a trauma warrior having survived and thrived after learning to cope with her CPTSD symptoms and 25 years of severe panic attacks by utilizing EMDR therapy, personal research, and learned coping skills, along with a foundation of faith and positivity. She is currently writing a book, Unicorn Shadows, from Trauma to Triumph, a healing guide about her multiple traumas with the intent to help others reach their own joyous and peaceful existence Fear her story of hope. She also speaks publicly about her triumph over tra- trauma, including recent guest appearances on Healing from Grief and Loss Online Summit and Avlala's University Overcoming PTSD online event. Terry is a mom to three beautiful children, ages 28, 26, and 15. Graduated magnum cum laude from University of Cincinnati with a bachelor's degree in psychology and has written a children's book, The Doodle with the Noodle, with her daughter about their therapy dog, Sammy the Labradoodle, has created And she has created the Sammy's Bundles of Hope project, bags filled with trinkets of hope donated to children with trauma history. There's also some other incredible things that Terry has done, but you will definitely find out in this segment. So without further ado, please welcome Terry Wellbrock to GEMS Podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me on. And I should probably shorten that bio, it's so long (laughs) But I just feel so honored to be here. I've had you on my show recently. And um, yes, I, I just, it's a joy to be here. So thank you. Thank you, Terry. And before we dive into our topic, which is trauma recovery and ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, I want to connect with you on a personal level. And so does the audience. So there are two options here. We could play a rapid fire 10 question game or break the ice up front. Which would you like to do? Oh, let's do the rapid fire 10 question. I love it. Okay. Well, here we go, y'all. We're playing rapid fire with Terry and Genesis. Question number one, favorite food? Oh, crab legs. Question number two, dream car? Dream car, a Tesla. Question number three, if you could go anywhere in the world, money was no option. And here's the kicker. You just found out they're no longer flying back to your home base. Oh, see, I, I, oh, wow. Um, I instantly said Australia. Four, coffee or tea? Oh, tea. Five, if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? You've got this kid. Six. If you could recreate any significant moment in your life, what would it be? If I could, I missed the first part of that. I'm so sorry. If you could recreate any significant moment in your life, what would it be? 
Oh my gosh. I would be much more patient with my first two children. <laughs> Seven. You're on a deserted island. Your funds are limited and there's a gift shop, but they're only allowing you to buy one item. Here are your choices. Two bananas and a mango. Your favorite TV, you know, your favorite t-shirt. And the last item is your favorite CD. What are you buying? Oh, I love music, but I could sing to myself. So I would go with the food. <laughs> <laughs> Two bananas and a mango. There we go. Yes. Hey, if you could be a fly on the wall and eavesdrop on any conversation, past or present, whose conversation are you eavesdropping in? Oh my gosh. I would love to be there with Jesus and Mary Magdalene are having a conversation. Amazing. Nine. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? <laughs> it's so terrible, but invisibilities. <laughs> oh man. And 10, our pass or play question. If you play, I ask one last question. If you pass, our roles are reversed for this question and you ask me a question. So do you want to pass or play? Oh my gosh. Well, I'd have to think of a really awesome, uh, awesome question to ask you. I'll have to play. Okay, we're playing y'all. So if there was one piece of advice that you could give to a up and coming business owner, what would it be? Um, don't be afraid to ask the worst that somebody can say is no, and it's okay. Amazing. And thank you for playing rapid fire with Genesis. That was so fun and awesome. Thanks. <laughs> My pleasure. Now we're going to segue into our topic, ACEs and trauma recovery. But one thing that I always like to do is lay the foundation so the audience could truly connect with the subject matter. So share with us what exactly is ACEs and how does understanding ACEs help with trauma recovery? And then of course, people are gonna say, well, Terry, why are you talking about trauma recovery? What's your trauma? So we definitely need to weave that into. Absolutely, absolutely. So ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, uh, there was a study done in the 80s, and uh, you can find it on the CDC website, as a matter of fact. Um, but what they had looked at, the, the study was actually started as uh, looking at um, a weight, like, um, oh my gosh, yes, people who, had, who were obese. And so it's an obesity study. And what they discovered throughout the study was that many of those who went through the weight loss program and lost weight gained weight back what they had lost and then some and throughout the study they they touched upon and noticed that so many of these people had um, trauma in their childhood and so it, it really kind of shifted and they started to look at the results of uh, 10 particular questions and it was things such as did you have neglect? Were parents divorced? Did you have any physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, emotional abuse? Um, was a parent incarcerated? And so I, I'm not going to name all 10, but, but if what they found was the majority of people had at least one traumatic event in their life, but it was when you hit that, that magic number of four or more that it truly started to show an impact in adult life. Um, 
And so chances for suicide increased dramatically, chances for heart disease, diabetes, um, so physical as well as mental health. And it was just, so they started to make this connection that what happens in childhood and a trauma level has huge implications for adult life. Unless, and this is the important key, resilience factors come into play. So then if you look at your resilience score, did you have somebody who believed in you? Did you have someone that loved you and encouraged you? Did you feel valued? Did you have a voice? So there's these resilient parts. So that's why these, the hashtag one in one caring adult, um, whether it's a teacher, a coach, a grandparent, someone in that child's life who may not know what's happening behind closed doors to this child, but they are encouraging this child and believing in this child and loving this child. And that has a huge, huge impact. And the only reason I, well, I bring that up for a lot of reasons. People used to say to me when they would hear my trauma story, oh my gosh, Terry, how did you survive all that? You radiate joy. You're always smiling. What, how did you do it? And I would say, I used to say, I don't know, like grace of God. I, I don't know how I did it. Well, then once I understood the science, because ACE, it really is ACEs science, uh, the science of adverse childhood experiences and resilience. I realized, oh, I had my grandma Kitty. Oh, I had my best friend's parents. I would escape to their house often. And they were just such loving, gentle presence in my life. I had a teacher. I had a soccer coach. So I had these people in my life who helped me feel loved and valued and encouraged and believe in myself. So I'm going to segue backwards for just a second to my story. Hold on one second. Let me chime in, Terry. And you mentioned a big component right there. You had people in your life that allowed you to be a sounding board where you could segue. And I think that's key in going through the trauma recovery process, because if someone feels like they don't have a safe person to talk to or something to segue, then what happens to those emotions? They stay bottled up. And before you know it, whenever it's bottled up, they start to repress those emotions where they're trying to, you know, forget what's happened. And whenever you try to repress and forget what's happened, you don't get a chance to heal until something happens in your life that's triggering. And then you pop and have that explosion because you never really dealt with what was going on internal internally, because maybe you felt ashamed, you felt you felt guilt. You felt like, okay, who's going to believe me if you went through something traumatic as domestic violence, sexual abuse, or whatever the case may be. So I definitely wanted to highlight that. So now back to you, Terry. Yes, no. And I'm so glad you, you put a shine a light on that because it's so very true. And that's what happened with me was I, I didn't talk about any of it, all, any of the trauma that was going on in my life until I was in my late thirties, early forties. And, but what was happening for 25 years, I experienced these severe panic attacks. And I like to look at it as I had the stored negative energy in my body and it didn't know how to get out. I, I hadn't processed the trauma. Uh, part of adverse childhood experiences is children are not armed with the, the coping skills, the capability to properly and healthfully process trauma. 
And so it, it, it gets stored. It affects our brains. It affects our bodies. It, it, we have body memories. And um, once I was able to hit EMDR therapy, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, <laughs> a big mouthful, um, then I was able to start going back into those traumatic events and properly processing them and releasing that stored negative energy. So my I call this the ugly facts, which is my trauma history. Um, and I'm going to bullet point it, uh, not to minimize what happened in any way, but just to paint the picture of, of what I had gone through in my childhood. So when I was four years old, an intoxicated parent attempted to drown me and my one-year-old sister in a bathtub. When I was five, I was sexually molested for the first time by a 16-year-old neighbor alongside my five-year-old best friend. When I was nine, I was sexually molested by a 19-year-old neighbor when my mom sent me for a can of soup. When I was 10, I was repeatedly molested by my choir director. And during those first 10 years of my life, my dad was physically abusive uh, until he sought counseling and sat me on his lap and said, I've been hitting you out of anger and I never should have, never should have hit you and I won't hit you again. And he didn't. My mom was uh, an alcoholic, and uh, so we had that going on, as well as my dad struggling with maintaining a job, so we had issues with poverty as well. Uh, when I was 14, I was sexually accosted by a religious education director, where I worked in the evenings for the priests in our church, and uh, it was in the rectory uh, where the priests lived. When I was 16, I lost my virginity to date rape. And then later that same year, I was attacked by a gang of youth in downtown Cincinnati, where I was sexually accosted. A police officer in charge of that investigation asked my parents if he could take me to dinner to celebrate the convictions. And of course, my parents were like, oh, he's a police officer. Yes. However, he did not take me to dinner. He took me back to his apartment where he attempted to rape me. When I was 21, I was involved in a bank robbery where a gun was held to my head. And my coworker was stabbed three times with a hunting knife. They got away with $90,000. I moved to our main office. And three months later, those same perpetrators would return to our main office where I had just moved. And this time, the man who had held the gun to my head would pull the trigger and murder my coworker, Marsha Berger. My 19-year-old sister had just asked to go on break. And the girl that was murdered was the one that took her place on the teller line. I ran from the back of the bank and came face to face with an armed assailant who pointed his Luger at me, but the gun misfired and my life was yet again spared. So that was my first 22 years of life. It was chaos and crazy. And again, people say, oh my gosh, how did you live through all that and come out smiling? So, um, but, but again, I, I, I had to go back into that darkness through therapy and healing work in order to process it and then get to this place of light oh my gosh as you were talking like my facial reactions I was like oh my god it sounded like a movie that I was right? just watching because I'm like oh my gosh but then one thing that I kept um coming in my thoughts was she had a hedge of protection over her God was with her every step of the way even though she went through the pain and the trauma and some people listening may say well Terry why do you believe in God if he allowed all these things to happen to you like why didn't you just turn your back on it but then I could hear as you were talking you 
obviously had grace and you had forgiveness, but the forgiveness didn't come easily. It came over time as you went through the process part with therapy and the other um, the other components that you use to kind of unpack what happened to you understand the root of it and then build and grow from it and then now you could take those experiences and help other young young women even young men because men can very well be victims of these same things but to have certain things happen over and over and over it can easily cause you to sink into a depression or just give up on life or you may feel like you just want to take your own life because you're like why is this happening to me but I tell people it's always good to flip the script and instead of saying why is it happening to me why is it happening for me like what is the purpose that is going to be unveiled after I go through this hell of a ride. Amen. And I say it all the time. I, I now know when things come up in, in life happens, it's just the way it is, whether you have a death of a loved one or just life just happens. And now, yes, it's okay to have those moments of despair or sadness and cry it out. But then I step back from the situation and I say, what lesson am I to be learning in this. And I really do try to step back from it and say, okay. And it's not uh, an anger. I never got angry at God I or, or universe or whatever you want to label, you know, this power, this force greater than us that's here. I, I truly did always feel protected as if, you know, guardian angels were with me, whatever. Some, something there was with me at all times. Um, and I have a tremendous faith. I mean, you can see behind me in the video, I have angels on the wall. And um, I just I just now know that I call this my soul work. My purpose is to shine that light of hope into the world, is to say, no matter what you go through, no matter what you've been through, you can not just survive, but thrive, that you can it's not a matter of being a victim and just saying, oh, I survived it, but you can then shine your light of hope into the world. Um, and it's just, I feel, I don't want to say I feel blessed by baby trauma, but I feel blessed by being able to survive it, process it properly, and now live in this place of, of tranquility. I love that because I love that you said survive, thrive, bless prosper, tranquility, all of those words are like powerful words. And you wouldn't have gotten those words um, unless you talked to somebody. And you mentioned early on in the segment that it wasn't until you were in your 30s that you began to talk to somebody. So let's um, back up here because there was eight years between all of the things that happened because you said up until you were 22, all of those horrible things happen. And then you were in your thirties when you talked to somebody. So in between that gap period, what stopped you from talking to somebody sooner? It's so crazy because I had no clue. I, it sounds crazy that trauma, my trauma had had an impact on me. I was having these severe panic attacks arise and I had gone back to school to get my degree in psychology. So I was working full time, going to school at night, had two babies in between. And so just the, the craziness of, oh, I have a baby, a toddler, school at night, work during the day. And so, but I would wake up with these panic attacks and I would just randomly have one driving or at the grocery store. And I just never correlated at the time because trauma recovery just wasn't 
on the radar back in the in the uh, 90s when all of this was going on. And it wasn't until, gosh, I want to say my mid 40s, maybe even later 40s, that I finally said, I've, I had 25 years of severe panic attacks. And I finally said, I think I need to go to therapy about this. And it was, I just went to a talk therapist who was wonderful because a few sessions in, she said, Terry, have you ever thought about EMDR therapy? And I was like, what the heck is EMDR? <laughs> and reached out to, because it's who I am, I Googled top EMDR therapist in Cincinnati. I was living in Cincinnati at the time. And this, this Dr. Hensley popped up. And so I said, all right, reached out to her. And she said, I'm not taking new patients, but your, your story fascinates me. And so she ended up taking me on as a client. Um, and it took four years, 98 sessions uh, for us to work through. That was a lot of trauma to unravel. I, I don't know if you've ever seen Christmas Vacation, the movie, but there's like this giant wad of Christmas lights, you know, a big ball of them. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even know where to start untangling this mess. And so we just slowly started untangling it all. And, um, but I don't know if I answered your question, but it, at some point I finally made the correlation that, ah, oh, that was my point. So I went to this therapist, the first one with this list. And it was like, oh, I'm in the middle of a divorce. Oh, my teenage son is mad at me. Oh, um, you know, my mom's still drinking and I'm struggling with that codependent relationship. Oh, I, you know, I had all these things. And then number five, trauma. Like, oh, if we have time, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. Never realizing that that was the thing impacting all of these other things. Wow. Okay. So let's uh, focus there because I think trauma also plays into mental health. And um, if your mental health is not stable, then that could affect how you see yourself because imposter syndrome could creep in. Um, you could definitely start to lash out on other people, even though you don't mean to do it. Relationships can fall apart because you're dealing with your own stuff, but you don't know how to talk about it with the people that you love because you don't want to be judged and you don't want to feel like, oh, I'm bringing them down. So do you feel like you dealing with the panic attacks and the overall trauma played into the divorce? Oh, for sure. I mean, that was a big, that was part of it. It wasn't all of it, but he had his own trauma as well. I had never dealt with it. And so now, you know, in hindsight, we can both look at it and we're, we're still friends. And I, I think I love him very much, but I, yes, it was a matter of, oh my gosh, we both had these horrific traumas happen in our youths. And uh, it made for an incredibly toxic relationship. He and I just were not good together. Um, and it made for a toxic environment for these children to be in. And fortunately, my older two who are in their late 20s, we can now talk about it and they're doing their own healing work around it. But uh, what an impact that that had just their talk, the toxicity of this marriage that was not healthy on these children because children pick up on this and um even though we were trying to have this perfect life of you know the nice little house with the labrador retriever and taking our vacations and hanging out with neighbors there was still within those walls just that very toxic environment absolutely because kids are very smart and they could pick up on those nonverbal uh clues and cues 
and they could sense that something is not right. And then you think that your kid is fine, but they try to internalize whatever's going on with mommy and daddy. And they feel like, oh my gosh, something's going on in my house. And I don't really feel a part of it. So whenever we're thinking about trauma recovery, give some tips and tricks to help anyone listening to this segment on what are some ways that they could really, you know, look for ways to recover from their trauma. And I, I want them to go beyond the surface level and really deep dive and go to the root and the source of their traumas. Yes, it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult, but you have to get to the root, kind of like the weed analogy. If you don't pluck the weed up at the root, it's going to still keep growing and your flower bush is going to look awful because the weeds are there. So sometimes we have to put in the hard work up front in order for us to have the peace in the end. Oh, yes, ma'am. I couldn't agree more. And I say all the time that uh, building a coping skills toolbox, I have the biggest coping skills toolbox of, of anyone I know, because if it comes across my radar, I'm going to give it a try. And so beyond therapy, uh, look for complementary healing strategies. And I borrow that from a previous podcast guest and I love it. Instead of alternative, complementary, it complements anything you're doing outside of therapy. And I've done Ho'opono Hawaiian healing, which is a forgiveness prayer. And I practice that often. I do journaling. I do nature walks, but mind, with mindfulness. And so if I go outside, I'm specifically using my five senses to connect with where I am in the moment, not worrying about the past, not worrying about the future, but right here in the now and just being mindful that I'm safe, I'm calm, I'm loved, I'm in a really beautiful spot. And oh, look at that little ladybug crawling on the leaf. I'm just being very mindful because it helps our nervous system calm. It helps bring us into a state of of um, regulation. And you'll hear a lot about, you know, our bodies being dysregulated and we're needing to re-regulate. Mindfulness is a great way to do that. So there's so many strategies. Uh, I have a, if you sign up on my website, I, I send a free gift out to people that's um, a coping skills and panic attack coping guide or something along those lines. And it has strategies I've used, not all of them. It's not all inclusive, but it is, it's just, Again, so many options out there for um, living a life of gratitude. I wake up and say, good morning, God. <laughs> Try to find reasons to be happy that I woke up. And then before I go to bed, I do gratitude. You can call it a prayer or just putting that energy out in the universe and just being thankful for things that have happened throughout the day. But living a life of gratitude uh, can shift so much. Absolutely. Those are some amazing tools. And I, lo I love how you say I have a toolbox and I'm always adding to it. And I feel like whenever you add to it, it also helps you with your growth. And I like that you're sending out a gift to those who sign up for your newsletters and etc. Is it a PDF gift or a hard copy? It's a PDF. Oh, okay, cool. So they could print it out and use it. One oh, other. Yes. <laughs> One other thing that I think is helpful too is, have you ever seen those adult coloring books? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, those work really well. I remember when I was a psychology major for two years before I switched to supply chain, they were, they were saying the benefits of coloring because sometimes it just kind of calms you down and you focus on what you're coloring and the creativity. And then it also gives you a chance to connect with colors because sometimes people connect with colors based on their mood and stuff. And you ask, okay, why did you color color it that way. Um, music therapy is a good one. Then there's also the ASMR where you're listening to like the tapping and the different sounds and vibrations. And that also helps people meditate too. They can meditate to that. I love how you mentioned the nature walks, just getting outside of your element and really connecting with nature smelling the fresh air, paying attention to the birds, um, the grass, and the different things that often we take for granted because we're always busy, 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 that we're, we never stop and really have that intentionality behind it. So you offer some amazing tools, Terry. So thank you for sharing that. Thank and you. Well, and I agree with you. I do all those things. The music, when I fly, I color in my coloring book. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love to color. <laughs> I'm like, a, I'm a big kid now. <laughs> yes. And you know, I just have to throw this out there. I think at Target, but there's this like 120 pack of gel pens and it's like every color of the rainbow and beyond in summer, like neon and summer glitter. And I'll bring that with me. And so I just have this rainbow collection of colors and it's wonderful to have all these choices to, to color in. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> now let's jump into our call to action part of the segment, Terry. When our listeners and viewers hear this segment that you and I did, what do you want to challenge them to do? Where do you want them to connect with you? Or give them a quote or something that is going to inspire and motivate them. But the most important thing is to challenge them to really do the inner work so they can have a great outer experience. Yes, I love that. And this is such a great part of your show. And thank you for including it. So my call to action for folks is, and I've suddenly got the hiccups. So I so I'm sorry. Hold on one second. <laughs> my call to action would be that start building that coping skills toolbox. And if you've already started building one, find something fun and new and different to add to it. And again, if it's Ho'oponopono Hawaiian healing, it's if it's tapping, if it's that emotional freedom technique, you can find it on YouTube. There's free videos and find a really great, you know, practitioner um, that knows what they're doing. But again, find, start, start journaling. And if you don't like to write, do video or yeah, do video journal, do a audio journal, just something that, helps you continue to heal and blossom. Ah, I love that. And Terry, please plug your website and where you primarily hang out on social media. Oh, for sure. Thanks so much. So my website is terrywellbrock.com and it's T-E-R-I, just one R, W-E-L-L, the letter B and then R-O-C-K. Um, and people can connect me. I also have two... Um, Oh my gosh, online courses. And those are at academy.terrywellbrock.com. Uh, and then the Facebook page is the Healing Place podcast. So you can find us there. And I put out inspirational quotes as well as links to all of the shows. And um, yeah, so that's where you can find me. 
And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. You just heard Terry Wellbrock. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. So definitely tap in with her, learn some coping strategies and mechanisms so you can live life optimally and on your terms. Also, dealing with trauma should not be hard as long as you face it head on because you can get to the other side of it once you address the root cause. I challenge you to subscribe, like, and share this segment. We're on 40 plus platforms. You can see all things video on YouTube by typing in at GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, thank each one of you so much for tuning in and supporting my guests and I on a continual basis. And because of you, we are now in the top 2.5% out of 2.8 million podcasts on www.listennotes.com. So thank each one of you so much. We wouldn't have made that without you. And for those of you interested in being a sponsor to continue the mission of GEMS, which is to educate, inspire, and motivate while we have diverse, inclusive, equitable, and topics of belonging, we are looking for you. You can find more information by heading on over to genesisamarscamp.net and clicking on that podcast tab to learn more. Until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have a great one. Signing out, Terry, Wellbrock, and Genesis. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.